I know. And I'll tell you, if that doesn't tug at your heart a bit, um, you don't have one maybe? Uh, I don't know, but it's just kind of one of those things where, man, as I was watching that, I'm like, it's, it goes by quick, you know? And so, so let me just, before we jump into this whole parenting series, I'll just tell you a little bit about me. I'm, my name's Kevin Valentine. I'm the lead pastor here. And um, we have four kids, and we have four kids because my wife can't keep her hands off me. Um, I'm not kidding, man. I come home, and she just comes after me. She can't get enough. I'm not joking. I, you know, sometimes I just want to talk, you know. Um, I just want to say, can't we just cuddle, please? Like, I'm not a piece of meat, you know. It's like I just want to say that out loud uh, sometimes. Okay, I am just joking. I'm totally kidding. Um, it's actually probably the other way around. But anyways, um, I don't, that's not this topic, okay. We're not going there. Uh, but I, I, let me show you a picture of my family, okay. This is, this is my family. This is us. Um, I want to say that this was us uh, in between Christmas and New Year's of 17. Uh, it was one of those super cold, rainy days. We decided to go out and, and play soccer for some reason in the rain and so that was us afterwards and we had a great time and I don't remember which team win it was probably the one that I was on but um, anyways uh, this is my family top left is Melissa that's my wife and then the one on the right is Garrett he's my 15 year old gonna be 16 in a month which is crazy um, and then directly below him is Travis Travis is 13 gonna be 14 in a couple weeks and then uh, beside him is Savannah Savannah is 11 and then the one making the face down there is my little Avery um, she was our, our, uh, our bonus kid. She was uh, our, we were done after three and then had a wardrobe malfunction, ended up with four. Um, that's how we ended there. Um, but that is, that, is my, that is my family. And, uh, and, and here's the deal. You might be tempted to check out because you don't have kids or your kids are out of the house uh, or you're not raising kids currently. And I just want to say this. Don't check out during today or this series because really we all have a hand in raising the next generation. Um, you guys interact with young people. You're teachers, your coaches, your aunts, your uncles, um, your nephews and nieces, you have impact on the next generation. And it takes all of us to raise kids that are going to follow Jesus. Um, even if you're an empty nester, it's like you need to listen to this because your voice is not done being heard by your children. And so uh, let me just talk to you as a father. Um, I'm realizing something as my kids get older, um, and that is this. You will blink and they will be gone. All right, and you guys that are, have, have em, are empty nesters or you have grandkids, you know this. You blink and they're gone. I'm like, I, I feel like I've, I've blinked and all of a sudden I got a 15-year-old that's going to be driving in a few months, which is a little bit on the scary side. And, uh, you know, I'm realizing that in a couple of, a couple of years we're going to be graduating him. He's going to be out of our house. And that to me, uh, I remember when we started having kids, I was like, yeah, when my kids are 18, I'm kicking them out of the house because they're going to have to grow up like I did. And now that he's 15 and it's two years away, I'm like, please don't go. You know, it's like I love him. I want him around. But here's the reality of parenting. From birth to high school graduation, you have 936 weeks with your child. 936 weeks with your child, and while that might say, seem forever to you, it goes by quick. I am down to 124 weeks with my son Garrett. That is astounding. You look at 936, that's so long. I got 124 weeks left with Garrett. I got 228 weeks left with Travis before he is out of our home and, and hopefully going to, to college. Uh, over half of my time is gone with Savannah. My 11-year-old, over half of my time that I have with her, weeks-wise, is gone. See, all through the phases that our kids go through as they grow up, 
Some parents think this. They think this is just a phase. I just, I just need to get through it as soon as possible. And that's how some parents process their kids growing up. This is just a phase because our kids, they get pretty ornery. There's like some, birth, there's some milestones of development in there that like you want to just like throw them out the window um, and, and tell them to go live with someone else till they're done with their little attitude thing and then come back. It's a phase, right? Well, some parents say this is just a phase. I need to get through it as soon as possible. I can't wait till it's over. But other parents, and I'll just say this, great parents, Say, this is just a phase, and I don't want to miss it. This is just a phase, and I don't want to miss a moment of it. About five years ago, my son Travis was eight years old, and uh, I had gone in his bedroom to say goodnight. I'd been gone all day, and, and he goes, hey, would, would, you, would you read to me, Dad? And I just said, oh, buddy, it's too late. I need to go, and I just didn't want to. Like, I literally had a long day, talked to people. I did not want to be in the room with him reading a book, right? And so I just said, I said, you know, it, it's, it's too late. I need to go, and, and, and I, wanted, um, I wanted someone else to back up my decision to not read to Travis. And so I go out into the living room where my wife is sitting there watching TV, all the kids are in bed, and I need her to agree with me that what I just did was right, so she's kind of the bad guy with me, right, so I don't feel as bad. And I just look at her, I say, Melissa, it's too late to read to Travis, right? And I'm literally, I'm wanting her to go, oh, honey, it would be, you know, totally awful if you were to go read to him right now. It's so late, like he needs his rest. Like that's what I'm hoping she says, right, because I want her to make me feel better because I felt horrible. And she just looks at me in a moment where it's kind of God breaking through and talking to me. She just looks at me and she looks at her watch and she says, no, it's not too late, but it will be. And then she goes back to watching TV and I'm like, drop the mic, walk out of the room. That's what she did to me, right? And I'm a little slow, so it took a couple seconds. Like, you guys were like, ooh, you got it. It took me a little bit. I'm like, oh, this is what she's saying. What, you know what she's saying? The reality of parenting. There's coming a day where he's not going to want you in his room anymore. And he's not going to be asking you to spend time with him like he is right now. So don't miss it. And so I went back in the room, and I spent about a half hour reading to Travis. And it was awesome. I just remember his face when I came back in and sat on his bed. It just glowed. And it was one of those things where guess what happened within a couple of years of that moment? Travis wasn't asking me to read to him anymore because that phase was over. Done. Haven't read to him at night before he goes to bed since. I was in danger of missing that phase because my wife wouldn't have spoken up and been totally awesome. Um, but there's a reason that we need to be reminded that we don't have much time left, and it's this. It's when you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time you have now. See, when you see how much time you have left and you realize it's getting shorter and shorter, you tend to do more with the time you have now. And so we're going to talk more about phases and weekly strategy next week. But the question is, is where do we start in parenting our kids? Where do we go? Where do we start? And let me just tell you where we're starting in this series, we start with a kingdom perspective. If you're going to make the most of the, of the time you have now, it starts with a kingdom perspective. One of my favorite um, pastors, one of my favorite authors, he says this about, about raising kids. He says, your greatest contribution to the kingdom may not be something you do, but someone you raise. How powerful is that to think about? Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be anything you do, but it's somebody that you raise. And let me just tell you, this role as parenting or having influence in other people's kids, it's one of the most important things that you ever will do on this side of eternity. That's like, I, I pray all the time that my kids will have more impact than I ever can. 
I long for that for them. I think the highest calling in my life is raising my kids to follow Jesus so that they might have impact kingdom-wide that impacts eternity long after I'm gone and long into the rest of forever. And the key question that most parents, they never consider is this, um, because we're so in the weeds, especially once we start having kids, is where we never consider what kind of adults do you want your kids to become? We never think of the end goal very often. We kind of have these ideals. And so what happens is most parents, when you say, hey, what kind of adults do you want to raise someday? Because if we haven't spent a lot of time digging into that, most of us, what we would say is we say, well, first of all, we'd like them to be well-rounded. We want to give them all sorts of opportunities. We don't want them to miss anything. And so we enroll them in multiple sports at the same time and make ourselves unbelievable Uber drivers without pay. You know, we go all over the place because we want to be well-rounded. We also want to be well-educated. Like, hey, education is key to a better life. We want them to go to college and maybe even beyond. We want them to be happy. We want them happy to enjoy their life and their family and their job, and we don't want them to have to go through any pain, and we don't want to cause them any pain. So we want them to just have a happy life growing up so they'll be happy adults, and then we want them to be successful. We want them to be financially secure, right? We want them to have all the stuff we never had, maybe even more stuff than we had, so that they can feel successful and they can have a, ha- have a better life life than maybe even we had. And so, so are, are those the things, the question is, are those the things that really matter? Because off the top of our head, that's what most of us would answer. Are those the things that really matter? Well, let me just talk to you like if I were to um, hire a great employee as an, as, a, as, a, as an employer, which I know many of you are, and some of you are, and your bosses and your leaders in the community. Um, if I'm looking to hire a great employee, am I looking for someone that's well-rounded? Or am I looking for someone that is really an expert in one or two areas? Most often I'm looking for someone that's an expert in part of their life. That's what I'm going to be looking for. Am I looking for somebody for, that's really well-educated? Um, well, I'm, I would just say, no, probably not, because education is trumped by character. I'm actually looking for a character person before I'm looking for somebody that's educated. Am I looking for somebody that's happy uh, all the time? Is that what I'm looking for? Someone that's, well, let me just tell you, a pursuit of happiness often leads to all kind of sin. So you train your kids, hey, do whatever makes you happy. They're going to get into a lot of trouble in a lot of areas. I'm not looking for somebody that's, that, that's a, in pursuit of happiness in their life. Am I looking for someone that is successful? Let me just tell you, the wrong definition of success is absolutely tragic on an eternal level. Jesus talks to us in Mark 8. He says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, to be successful, have all the toys, well-rounded, well-educated, to be happy, to have, have happiness by the tail? What does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet? Lose his very soul. So here's what I want to do. I want to give, this, give us this morning a vision that can drive us as parents. Because here's the reality. Uh, it, you know, for you and I, um, if we don't have a goal, if we don't have a target that we're going to aim at, um, chances are we'll hit it. Uh, and that means you'll hit nothing if you don't have a goal. And so I want to kind of come up with a vision for us that can drive us as parents from King David. He's one of the heroes of faith in Scripture. Um, he, is, he writes in Psalm 71. He says, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, until I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And what is he saying? He's like, there's people behind me that don't know you. There's people behind me that haven't experienced you like I've experienced you. And he is literally asking God to extend his life so that he can tell his kids and his his kids' kids about who God is. What an incredible um, question, desire. God, please give me as many years as it takes so that my kids know you like I know you, so that I have time to talk to my grandkids so they know you like their, their parents know you and like I know you. I love that. That was his mission. 
And so I want to give you a mission to just consider, okay? This isn't one, you don't have to take this word for word, but it's to get your brain rolling on, okay, what does it look like to have a mission in your parenting? Um, And here's one to consider from Craig Groeschel, who's a nationally known author and pastor, and Dave Wilson, founder of of Kensington, um, 28 years ago. And I kind of put it together, put their thoughts together. And here's a potential parenting mission for you. It is to train and release, train and release, identity-based Christ-centered, Bible-GPS, I love that one, Bible-GPS world changers. This is your calling as a parent, as a teacher, as a coach, as an uncle, as an aunt, as a grandmother, as a nephew, as a niece. To train and release identity-based, Christ-centered, Bible-GPS world changers. Let's, let's go through those. What's identity-based mean? It means that, that, that our kids, because of our influence, understands their identity in Christ as a precious, loved child of God. Understanding what gifts God specifically gave them, their unique wiring, their purpose, what they were created to do. That they are gifted and were created by God and born during this time in history. Because their gifts will most serve God during this time in history. Their identity comes from Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be amazing if your kid got their identity from Jesus and what he says about them? The second one is Christ-centered. It's not just getting your identity from from Jesus. It's it's that Jesus is the center of everything. That our kids aren't religion-centered. They're not um, rules-centered. They're not morality-based living, but Christ-centered living. There's this incredible pressure on our young people to be peer-centered or popularity-centered. That's where the center of their life is. The center of their life revolves around what their peers think of them and if they're popular or not. And I'm telling you, I worked with high school kids for 15 years. They struggle with the same stuff you and I struggled with. There are so many kids that their center of their life is what their peers think of them and if they're popular or not. Let me just tell you, when that is the center of your life, what God thinks about you has no rhyme or reason or understanding in your life because it's too, because what people think matters too much. So we want to raise kids that's Christ-centered, meaning they are obsessed with knowing and serving Jesus Christ, not their friends and other people. Bible gps I love that. Yesterday I had to go pick up um, uh, Garrett at, uh, in Umatilla, um, or Umatilla, whatever in the world you say that, how, however you say it. It's about an hour from here. Um, but I'll tell you what, I would have never gotten there without my phone out and with that, that app on that's t- given me exactly the direction to go. And let me just tell you, um, this is our value of under Scripture. The Bible gives directions. It is a GPS for your life and for mine. Our kids need to realize that the Bible has timeless truths that will guide and direct them their entire life and will allow them to avoid getting lost, hitting major pitfalls in their life. It will it, literally, God can guide their life through his GPS that he has given to all of us. And, and I'm telling you, we want them to know this. Why? Because when they get to high school and then on into college and that college professor starts picking apart their faith, we want them to know enough about scripture and the GPS that God's given us to actually be able to maybe even defend their faith. And then the last one is world changers. We don't want successful kids. I don't want my kids to be successful. And I know that might be a terrible thing to say, and you're going, you're a bad dad. No, I don't want my kids to be successful. I want my kids to be world changers for Jesus. Because I know if they do that, no matter what career they're in, they're going to be successful in what matters most. I know that wherever they go, they're going to impact the people around them and be able to tell them about who Jesus is. 
And so I want to say this out loud as just a way to maybe help us remember what this is, and then I'm going to kind of, kind of fly into how do we accomplish this mission. But I want us to say it together a couple times to just, maybe you'll remember it this week as you're coming up with your own mission statement, but here is, here, here is a parenting mission. Um, let's read it together. It is to train and release identity-based, Christ-centered, Bible-GPSed world changers. One more time. It is to train and release identity-based, Christ-centered, Bible-GPSed world changers. Now, how do we do that? What are the steps to getting there? And let me just say this. Um, if you are married, one of the keys to raising great kids, and this is for you married people, is to have an incredible marriage. You want great kids, have a great marriage. And how we come alongside of you to help you with that, um, February 23rd, it's a Friday night, we're doing a vertical marriage workshop over in the library over here from 5.30 to 9.30. And um, it is just a way to invest in your marriage. It's one of the best gifts you can give your kids is a marriage that's strong and healthy. We want to help you with that. You can sign up for that online. Go to, you know, kensingtonorlando.org slash events. It's all there. We would love to have you be a part of that. But how you find the mission, how do you accomplish a mission, the mission here, is you actually go to the beginning of the Old Testament, the fourth book of the Old Testament. Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, is addressing the, the nation of Israel. And I always love this because he is speaking to millions of people, and somehow, and this is where I think it's just one of the uh, miracles of Scripture that we don't really think about, somehow Moses was able to speak without amplification, and millions of people were able to hear him. I love that in Scripture because it happens all the time. Jesus somehow was speaking, and 20,000, 30,000 people could hear him at one time. I think there's a supernatural power that comes along with some of these stories that we just kind of read over. So Moses, he's addressing the nation. He's getting them ready to go into the promised land. And this is what he says to them. And some of you are going to recognize these words. Deuteronomy 6, 4. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Have you heard that before? You know, that? You know who quoted Moses? Jesus. When Jesus was asked what's the most important thing they can do, he was quoting Moses, who God spoke through to all of Israel. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Nothing more important than this. Write this on your heart at the core of who you are. And then he answers, how do you pass this on to your children? He says, impress these commandments on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What is he saying? You can surround your kids with what you know of God. And so out of this passage of scripture, I want to share with you three thoughts on how do we train and, and release a world changer. How do we train and release a world changer? And the very first thought that I have is how you do that, first of all, is you recruit an army. You recruit an army. Every kid needs an adult in their life other than their parents speaking into their life. And it's really simple in one way. How many of you have had your kid that you've told a thousand, million, billion, hundred, trillion times something, and they never did it. They never even listened to you, and they just thought you were stupid. But one other person, one other adult person that has a brain and is breathing says the same thing in the exact same way, and they go, they are so smart, I'm going to go do that right now. And you're just like, I hate this. You need other people speaking into your kids' lives. Why? Because there's some things your kids just can't receive from you, won't receive from you. I don't know why. I'm the most brilliant person I know. I don't know why my kids don't listen to me. But look at what Deuteronomy 6, where Moses is speaking, who is he addressing? Here, O Israel. Who is he talking to? The entire nation. 
He said, I'm going to tell you how to pass God onto the next generation. And he says, everyone, he's talking to the entire nation. He says, this is something we're going to have to do together if it's going to work. In Old Testament families, it's interesting. They weren't like us. Like when we talk about families here, who do we think about? When I talk about your family, who am I talking about? You, your husband or wife, and your kids. That's your family. When Moses was talking, you know who he's talking to? Parents, kids, grandparents, workers at the house, nephews, cousins, uncles, aunts. Some of the Old Testament families, they were 80 to 100 people and beyond. That's who he's talking to. He's saying, look, it's going to take your whole family. It's going to take everybody working together. It's going to take all of us. It's going to require an army to pass this on to the next generation. Now, a parent's voice will always be the most important. You just need to know that. But it can't be the only voice. And that's where I'm just, I just want to, I can't implore you enough. Let us help you raise world changers. This orange strategy that, that, that Amanda talked about, it is literally taking the light of the church and the heart of the home and putting them together to create something new. We can do this together because of what happens when you combine the effects of vision and mission. And I'll just tell you, I spent 15 years working with students, teenagers and a little bit of those years with middle school students. And I just have to tell you, um, uh, there were so often that when I was talking to parents and counseling their parents, they really saw it as, it is your job to train my kids spiritually. That is how they saw the world. That is what they expected of us. And when their kids weren't growing spiritually, they came to me and said, you're not doing your job. And I would just look at them and I would say, I would say listen to me, um, it's actually your job to train your kids spiritually. They'll be like, well, why is that? So it's the difference between 40 and 3,000. Difference between 40 and 3,000. The average church-going family today comes to church about 40 times a year. I don't know what those heathens are doing, the other 12, um, but 40 times a year. I'm just kidding. Um, 40 times a year, the average, church fa their average family comes to church if they're a church-going family. Which means that gives us, the church, 40 hours a year to impact your son or daughter and your kids. 40 hours. You know how many hours you have of waking moments that you as parents, one or the other or both, can spend with your kid over the course of years, 3,000 hours. It's between 40 and 3,000. It's like you have so much more impact and time to affect your kids spiritually. But what we're saying is then let's join together. Because with the amount of time you have and the amount of time we have, we can actually do something special. We will help train you to invest in your kids spiritually. We have, a, we have an intentional parenting class coming up in April. But that's why I'm always telling people, look, all right, look, I, I, I'm an okay communicator. And, and I know most of you stay awake most of the time when I'm talking, and I appreciate that. Um, I don't know if you're like pinching yourself or lots of coffee, thank you. Um, but it, it's this. I hope you come here for what happens in this room, but let me just tell you, what happens in those rooms over there is equally as if, if not more important than what happens in here. Because when you miss church, so does your kid. I'm telling you what, those kids over there, they're in a small group every week. And in that small group, there's an adult that's talking to them about Jesus. Your middle school kid, your high school kid, Breakaway and Edge, Every week, they've got, they're hearing a message about Jesus, and they're talking with another adult that's speaking into their life about what it means to follow Jesus, to partner with you, to help you as you talk with them. And I will just tell you, it is, uh, I can't overemphasize how important it is and how much it means to Melissa and I that every single week we get to talk to all four of our kids and go, hey, what did you learn in church today? 
Travis, what did you learn in Breakaway? Talk to me about that. How was your small group? Garrett, what, what was being talked about on Wednesday night? And we have spiritual conversations based on what they're learning in, in, in K-Kids and Breakaway and Edge. And, and I will just tell you this, even if it wasn't my job to do what I do, we would still be in a church every single Sunday. Why? Because it's that important that my kids are hearing from Jesus, from other people than me. And I think the church is one of the most beautiful places to have that done. So, um, so, so that's the, the first thing, is we need to raise an army. This is part of your army. Don't miss. Make the time to be here. Second thought, and I'm going to have to kind of fly through these next two, um, is, uh, is raise the bar of what we expect of this next generation. Um, remember what the Bible said in Deuteronomy 6, 5. It says, well, love the Lord with some of your heart and part of your soul and a little bit of your strength. Like, that's what the Bible says, right? No, it doesn't say that. Um, we actually tend to preach that in our families. We say, well, add a little Jesus to your life and, and, it'll get, and your life will be good. Um, and here's the bar. Jesus actually came in when he taught. He said, no, I, I demand all of your life. In fact, if you want to follow me, you have to lay your life down. You have to give it away for my sake. Then you will find it. We need to raise the bar for our kids. Say, no, it's, it's all of your life is what Jesus wants. It's all of your life that you need to give to him. We've reduced that to, hey, um, just come to church. We'll give you a cookie afterwards, right? Like that's what, that's what we do. We just, we just bribe or we'll just be like, hey, you can play a video game if you don't get in trouble, right? That's what you can do. Um, it, we've dumbed down and lowered our spiritual standard so much that when you go back into the Old Testament, um, by the, in fact, when Jesus was here, by the age of 12, Jewish kids had memorized the first five books of the Bible. Memorized word for word the first five books of the Bible. That was their standard. Um, our standard now is like, um, if you can name five books of the Bible, I'll give you a treat, right? That's like, that's us. They just name one. They name five. And even if you get close, I'll give you extra credit. Like the bar is so low. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, lose your life, lay it down, pick up your cross, and follow me with everything you have. We need to raise, raise our standard of what we expect from our teenagers. And I'll just tell you, it is a phase of life right now teenagers where we don't expect a whole lot from them. Like our expectations of teenagers, okay, I want you to go to school, don't get pregnant, or get somebody else pregnant, make your bed most days, give you Saturdays, Sundays off, don't play video games too much, and stay off your phone, and don't get mad at me, please. That's how we parent. That's what we think. That's what's going on in the back of our minds. We've lowered the bar to, hey, just survive, and, and we'll do everything else for you. Um, I'll just tell you the number one word that defines teenagers today. It starts with an E. It has three syllables. Um, uh, anybody want to guess? Entitled. Tom Elmore, he actually studies the, the next this generation of young people. Um, employers, the number one word they use to describe this young generation of the workforce is entitled. Kids get a trophy for everything, man. When I'm back in my day, I had to win something to get a trophy, right? Now we just applaud everything. We expect very little. We protect them at all costs. Hey, don't walk down the street without your helmet on. Like, that's what we want to say, right? That's what we're thinking. We never wore seatbelts, man. When I was growing up, my, you know what the seatbelt was? My back of my mom's arm. My brother actually, actually cracked open his head on the front windshield because my mom was helping him pee in a bottle while we were driving down the road in the front seat. Like, that's, that, that's what we did. That's how we grew up. Now, it's like, I think airbags, airbags were actually in invented from grandma's arm flab, right? It'd come by and be blah, you know, be, it's like that'll stop the accident. But, but here's the deal, 1 Corinthians 3.11, Paul writes, he says, look, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Do you hear a phase of teenager in there? Do you see that? He went from child to adult. 
There was no in-between of these expectations where we're just like, please just get by. You are entitled to everything we have to offer you. It goes from child to adult. And so let me just say this. If you're a young person in the room right now, I want your eyes on me. If you are a young person in the room, I want you to just, I want you to, I want you to look at me because you are filled with the same Holy Spirit that I am filled with. You have the same power in you that I have in me. You can be a world changer today. It's not when you get older. It's not when you hit your 20s or your 30s. It's now. Parents, you know what you need to say to your kids? You can start a Bible study now. You can lead your teacher to Christ in the classroom after class. You can be a leader in the church. You don't have to wait. It's now, it's now, it's now. You can initiate spiritual conversations now. You don't have to wait till someday when you're older and people respect you. I'm not very passionate about this. I'm sorry. But we've got to raise the bar for our young people. Otherwise, otherwise we're not raising world changers. We're raising people that will just exist and have a good, happy, successful well-rounded, well-educated life. And I'm not interested in that for my kids. And I know a lot of you aren't either if we really sat down and talked. All right, last thought. And that's this. As parents, the third thing we need to do is we need to run to Jesus. And that's run, don't walk. It's run. Because without his power, you don't have a chance. The, the current of our culture is so strong, you will get swept down it, and you will, your kids will get swept with you down it if you are not constantly running to Jesus to get reset on what is right, what is true, what is honest, what is noble, what is righteous. Unless you are constantly resetting that bar for yourself, you can't reset it for your kids. Because we pour into our kids what is an outflow of us. Whatever's overflowing out of us, that we're pouring in, is going to overflow onto our kids, and that's what they're going to become. That's who they're going to be like. And so I want to read to you um, uh, Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, what, what uh, Moses is saying. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Who's he speaking to? Parents and adults. That's who he's talking to in this moment. And our hearts are different than our mind. He's really, uh, he, the commands are, he's commanding, saying, hey, take these commandments and attach them to your emotions, to your appetites, and to your desires. Attach them there. Keep your eyes focused and your heart locked onto Jesus. And then what? Impress Jesus on your children. Talk about them when you're walking down the street, when you wake up, when you go to bed. Write them on the doorposts of your homes. Have it be that every time they look at you, they see Jesus. Have your kids, every time they look at you, see Jesus. When they live in your house, may they experience Jesus in you. Why? Because faith in God is caught. It's not taught, just so you know. You can tell your kids till you're blue in the face about Jesus, but until they catch it from somebody, you, you've got 3,000 hours a year, it's not going to stick. And so I'll show you one, one picture, and then, and then um, I'm, I'm, I'm like just talking my ear, ears off. I'm sorry. I'm going to uh, run us a little bit late. They hate me over in K-Kids when I do that. Um, but okay, I'll take the hatred. Um, I want to show you a picture that is going to go down in the history books of our family. And you've seen it. If you've been here for a few years, you've seen it once or twice. But it's this picture. Um, that is my family the day we crossed the Florida state line to move here. That's us. It was, it was 2009, I believe. And why that's in the history books of our family is um, one of the determining factors of why we moved here to start this church was because God asked us to. And as we were talking about whether we wanted to move down here and do this church, and we were talking about, I don't know, do we want to live in Florida? It's really hot. I don't know if we want to live down here. I wanted to, but not everybody did. As we were talking about it, 
it just came down to what do we want our kids to be about? What do we want to be able to say to them someday? And Melissa and I, as we were talking, we're just saying we want to be able to say to our kids, whatever God asks you to do, do it. For throughout your whole life, even if it's hard, do it. And we didn't want to just tell them that. We wanted them to experience that through us. And so we made the decision based on the fact that we want to tell our kids. God's got a plan for you. He's got a mission for you. He's got a place for you. And when he tells it to you, when he reveals it to you, do it. Just go. And it'll work out. God will take care of you. And I will just tell you, I wanted to test my kids Friday night. We're sitting at the table. And I just said, hey, guys, why did we move to Florida? And like all four of them in unison. Because God told us to. And then the conversation devolved into something. I don't even remember where it went. But it was just kind of like that moment where they just, they know. Why are we here? Because God brought us here. And I was able to say, guys, in your life, God's got a plan for you. And whatever he asks you to do, do it. You'll never regret following Jesus anywhere he asks you to do to go. And so as parents and as leaders and as adults, we've got to run to Jesus if we want this next generation to run to Jesus. And how you do that, like some of you, you need to join a small group and start growing in your knowledge and understanding of Jesus and have relationships with other people that know him. For some of you, you need to step into serving. We counted as our staff, just real quickly, we counted over 20 families that serve together as parents and kids. They serve together on Sundays every other week or once a month or every week. And you know what you're saying to your kids? You're saying, look, you know what living for Jesus um, means? It means that you give your lives for the sake of something bigger than you. And that's why we serve at church. It means that, hey, we don't just attend church. We are the church. And it's our, our responsibility. God calls us to be a part of being the church. And I love that we do that. Some of you can start a daily Bible reading plan with your kid on version. In fact, I know a family, they have a plan that they're doing with it, one of their kids that lives on the other side of the country, and there's a little chat section. You can chat about what you're reading on your daily verse. And so they just kind of text back and forth through this app talking about spiritual things. Our kids in this next generation will never run to Jesus unless they see us running to Jesus. So I want to show you a video of some middle and high school students talking about the impact their friends, the church, and their home life has had on them. Just so you can see, hear them talk about how it impacts them when the church does what the church does and parents do what parents are supposed to do. And uh, before we do that, as we do that, we're going to receive our offering. And so for those of you that um, call Kensington home, this is where you give back to God from what he's blessed you with. For those of you that are new here, uh, let the basket go by. We don't want your money. Um, leave your wallet in your pocket. We're just grateful that you're here, and I hope that God is speaking to you through our time together. And while we receive our offering, um, we're going to hear from some high school kids talking about how um, God has impacted them. speak through us and to the people who are going to watch this video. And just be a testimony of what you've done in their life. So we love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Cool. Take one. Why don't you guys share a little bit about how you guys met um, became so close? We text. We call. We Snapchat. A social media, man. <laughs> Bonded a lot. Worship together. Yeah. When we're worshiping at Edge. He'll, he'll be sitting down struggling. I'm like, I got you. Yeah. God is with you and all that stuff. And we're just there for each other. 
ever since then. He's just a brother who's got my back. He's a brother who's got my back. That's awesome. So, how do you feel like your like what you learned with your families or through Edge and Breakaway like set you up to really bring your faith outside of church? Yeah, Breakaway and Edge is such a place where you just walk in and you're safe and it's literally like my second home and my <laughs> lifelong friends like my best friends are from edge like that mm -hmm. i met and built relationships with and everyone who goes are just real and like they yeah. they want to, they care about you like you'll walk in and you'll be alone and someone from edge will be like hey come sit with me my friends like and i couldn't encourage you more to just go for it so one of the small group leaders at, at EDGE, um, I met with her towards the beginning of the year and she was talking about how when you get to college there's one of two outcomes. Either you continue to follow Christ or you fall off and you fall into the ways of the world. And I think that just like really shifted my perspective and I was like, wow, like I only want to like follow Christ. Can you guys like recall maybe a specific moment um, at home with mom and dad or the family where like you really saw your parents leading you to Jesus and helping your relationship with God? My parents came to this church because of the K-Rock program that was here and that was the year my parents almost got a divorce actually so it was super hard for my family. You know my parents like definitely could have taken the easy way out and like left each other but the service that was going on like the message that they heard was like in a marriage, like you gotta fight for one another and you gotta fight for your family. Like sometimes it's gonna be hard. Like my family isn't perfect. Like we have our issues a lot, but because like we have God, we have like a foundation. In sixth grade, my father passed away and that was probably the hardest times for me, seventh and sixth grade. That's when I really started to like think about thoughts of suicide and my mom stayed really, really strong while I got really low. And she would, she would take me to church every Sunday morning and talk about every single day how God is great and why he will never leave you no matter what, even at your lowest times. So what would you say to like families or students um, of kind of the importance of creating God at the center of your family environment? Well, what me and my family do is before dinner we pray and we read a little bit of scripture. I think that that's also really important because it's just a time that our whole family can connect and talk about God, which really doesn't happen because we're all so busy. I wouldn't be here without my parents. I wouldn't be at this church. I wouldn't even believe in God without my parents. And to think of that, it's pretty insane because my like your parents have such a huge impact on who you are like as a person and who you become. And there's so much importance and like, pouring into your kid and letting them know how loved they are and how much Jesus loves them too. Let me pray for us. Um, Father, this next generation of kids that are growing up right now are our responsibility. Those of us that are adults in this room, you have charged us with raising the next generation to know you, to fall in love with you. And so, Lord, I pray for us as a church, as a community. May we be a place where your light shines bright and where kids meet you and know you and are 
loved on by other adults in our community, aside from their parents pointing them to Jesus. Lord, for the parents in the room right now that are just feeling like they've blown it or missed the opportunity or their kids are out of the home and they can't do anything now, Lord, I pray that you would just give them a peace, realizing that their voice never lacks impact, even though they feel like it might. God, I pray that you might even strengthen their voice as the years go by, as they speak about you and talk about who you are and live out this verse from Deuteronomy. Lord, for those of us that are in the thick of parenting right now and we're just worn out and tired, and even doing this seems like it's so difficult, God, I pray that you would bring strength and hope and joy into our families and into our homes. Lord, bring people into our kids' lives that will speak into their lives for us and for you so that this army of people here are actually doing what you've called us to do and raising this next generation together. And Lord, for those here that are yet to be parents, God, I just pray for them that you would help them to store all of these truths in their heart so that when the time comes for them to deploy and train and release their own kids, God, that these truths would be close to their hearts. God, use us to change the world and to raise a generation of world changers. In your holy name.